They can have the best operations. They can have the best financial part, the best P&Ls. But if they don't have sales coming in, none of that matters. None of it matters because nobody can be paid. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Jeremy Miner. Jeremy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Michelle, thank you so much for calling me amazing. I'm sure you say that to all of your guests, that they're amazing, but I'll take that as a compliment. I say that to all the boys, but you, you're still special. (laughs) Awesome. So give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm the chairman and founder of a global sales training company called seventh level. And we train companies all the way from, we have even a fortune 100 client all the way down to fortune 500, all the way to SMB, all the way to individual salespeople and coaches that sell anything. We teach them, uh, how to communicate, um, and use the right, how do I say the right questioning, the right skills, the right tonality that actually work with human behavior, uh, to get drastically, uh, much better results than the, what they are accustomed to, no matter where they're at. So that's what we do in a, in like a five or a 10,000 view right there. We <laughs> train people how to sell more of their products and services in a way where they actually feel comfortable and they actually get results. Nice. Love that. Cause it's way better to perform when you feel comfortable. We all know that. So tell me, how did you get into sales in particular and all of this? How did I get into sales? So I got into sales uh, about 21 years ago as a broke, burned out college student. Okay. Uh, I got my first job selling home security systems door to door. The sales manager basically, you know, they hire everybody because it's straight commission, you know? So if you don't sell, you're out the door a couple weeks later and about 80% quit within the first two weeks. And basically they took us out in a van, dropped us off in a neighborhood and basically said, go make some sales. We'll pick you up after dark. I and mean, that was my experience, right? Had to memorize the script. They said, be excited when you knock on the door that if, if you tell them how excited you are, like, and how much belief you have in the products, they're going to believe you and they're going to be, they're going to want to buy. And I quickly found out that nothing could be further from the truth. Okay. Because every single door they were saying, we don't need it. Uh, your price is too high. We don't have enough money. Uh, I need to talk to my spouse. Uh, we're not interested. Uh, you've already had somebody around before. We're looking at other companies. Uh, can you call me back a week, a month, a year later? And I figured out very, very quickly 
that those type of selling skills were not going to work very well. And I remember, you know, even, I think I was telling you this on, on, you know, one of your, one of your shows that you had me on is that after about seven or eight weeks of all of that rejection, hardly making any sales, I remember there was one night in particular that really everything changed for me as a start of, of something great. And I remember like setting on the curve, the sales manager is going to pick me up that night. And I remember like my, my back and my chest were completely soaked with sweat. You're talking Midwest heat, humidity in the middle of July, right? If you can only imagine this little kid, 22 year old kid out there. And basically my legs were like broken. They were exhausted from going door to door for 12 hours. I'd made zero sales that day. So imagine working 12 hours, you make zero sales, you make $0. That week I'd worked 60 hours. I made zero sales. So that meant I made $0. I could have made more at McDonald's serving hamburgers. Okay. And I, and I sat down on that curve and I, and I was sitting there and I felt, I felt like, you know, I, I just gotten married at that time, had a kid on the way. Like, how was I going to go home and basically say, hey, we don't have enough money to pay the rent. We're going to have to move in with your parents, like in the basement. I was going to be one of those guys. And I thought to myself, like, you know, maybe selling, maybe selling just wasn't for me. You know, has anybody ever felt that themselves oh. listening to this? And I remember the manager picked me up and he, and he popped in this Tony Robbins CD. So this was 20 years ago, everybody. So they listened to CDs back in the day. Okay. <laughs> and so they popped in this Tony, this Tony Robbins CD and he said a bunch of stuff, but one thing stood out, he said, he, and I might be butchering it, but he said, he said something to the fact that most people fail for the simple reason they don't learn the right skills that are necessary to succeed. They don't learn the right skills. Now he actually goes on to say, everybody's really taught skills, but the people who fail are the ones who are not taught the right ones. And I'm like, something like went off in my head that maybe what the company was training me, maybe what I was learning from these books, the, the old sales gurus, as I call them now, maybe they just weren't the right skills. Maybe they just didn't work that well anymore. Cause I've never thought that that could even be a possibility in my mind. And that really took me down the road of behavioral science and human psychology and learning, because I was going to college at the same time, my, my degree was in behavioral science of all things, luckily for me. And I'm like, my professors were telling me the most persuasive way to communicate was here. The sales gurus were telling me it was here, like complete opposites. So I'm like, how do I take human behavior, behavioral science and integrate that into the sales process? Okay. And when I started doing that, everything changed for me. Okay. Uh, within one year, I was the number one salesperson in that company out of about 3000. Uh, within two years, I was the number one salesperson in the country out of like, I don't even know, 50,000 salespeople selling the same thing. And it wasn't because I was just out working people or, or I had some, the great leads or anything like that. It's just, I started to learn how to use human behavior to my advantage, where my prospects were pulling me in and wanting to open it up, like wanting to go below the surface, wanting to engage instead of pushing where they were just pushing back. And when you learn that type of skill, and I know that's just a basic overview, but when you learn how to get your prospects to pull you in and actually want to engage with you and go below the surface, selling becomes really, really easy and really, really profitable for you and your company. And most importantly, it helps your prospects really solve their problems and get what they want. That's the main thing. You with me? Absolutely. I am. I love it. So, and I feel for almost every kid that did, you know, corner sales, I used to sell big, huge, fat 
um, cookbooks on the <laughs> downtown Ottawa. And I was like, this is the stupidest thing. No, I don't want to carry these. Who the hell wants to carry a 20 pound book home well, from I think, work after an exhausted yeah, day? Yeah, I remember, I remember I would, I would knock on some doors. I still remember like, this is after a couple of years, you know, that I had gotten really, really good and stuff when I learned the right skills. And I remember some, a few people like, Oh, you poor salesman. I wasn't thinking that I was making a hundred thousand dollars a month in commissions. I was 23 making a hundred grand a month in commissions. And I'd be like, Oh, it's okay. You know? And I would like, I would definitely soak it up, but little (laughs) did they know, but once you learn the right skills, it doesn't matter what you sell. You can sell door to door. You can sell B2C. You can sell B2B. It all translates once you understand human behavior. Nice. I love it. So talk to me about who you love to work with. Who takes this information, just sucks it in and makes the most of it? Because I'm, I'm sure that's your favorite client. Well, we, we, um, I mean, we, we train every industry on planet Earth. So Forbes mm-hmm. says, because I never even knew this, but Forbes says there's 158 different industries now in the world. Now there's subcategories of each industry, right? We are literally at this point in every single industry there is. We just brought on uh, a seatbelt manufacturer in Berlin who sells seatbelts to Land Rover and BMW and Porsche and other companies. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Seatbelts have to be sold. I never, who would have thought? So it doesn't really matter if you have a product or service that solves people's problems and or solves an emotional need. You know, we, we train exotic car dealerships like Lamborghinis. Lamborghinis don't solve a problem. It's not like, you know, if you want to go to point A to point B, you need to buy a Lamborghini. You can buy a used Toyota, right? But it solves an emotional need, status, right? There's other things it solves emotionally for those type of buyers. So if your product solves problems and or an emotional need and or probably both, and your solution solves those, then we train those type of people. That's pretty much everybody in the world. We have a large demographic. Yes, yes, you do. Awesome. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Oh man, there's lots. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a Cinderella story of like just individual salespeople. Cause I love, you know, I, I love companies like, you know, like, like Google AdWords, you know, we trained four of their divisions. We got them a 244% uplift increase. Uh, for you Canadians that maybe don't use the word uplift, but down here in the States and enterprise, <laughs> they use uplift, not increase. It's like the technical term, but we got them a 244% increase within 90 days. Now that's not a nice. sobbing story. They were already doing well. Okay. That's, so let me give you a story of like somebody that was just like on their deathbed, couldn't sell a, you know, their way out of a, a, a wet paper bag. So there's this gentleman, I actually just interviewed him in our Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. He's an immigrant from Brazil. Okay. English is his second language. Like he speaks, you know, mainly Portuguese. Okay. He came over here about immigrated a couple of years before COVID. And he was like an assistant and an assistant to an assistant at like a, a production company that puts on live events. What happened two years ago? COVID. What happened to the live event industry during COVID? Gone. So literally he gets this job. He's making probably $2,000 a month. Okay. He's like an assistant to the assistant to the assistant, like all the way down here, you know, barely spoke English. He gets waxed from his job within like three days of everything shutting down of COVID. And he's like, what am I going to do? Nobody's going to hire him because he can barely speak English. Somehow he convinced somebody to give him a straight commission sales job. 
which it's not hard to convince somebody to give you a straight commission sales job because if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. Like he was, you know, basically if you're going door to door, like everybody's hired. If it works out, it works out. But he couldn't do, he couldn't sell anything. He made like maybe a thousand bucks his first month, somehow scraped up enough funds to get in our training, solve one of our ads on YouTube or Facebook or something. The next month he goes from making one grand in his commission-based job to making five. The next month he went from five to nine. The next month he went nine to 15. The next month he went 15 to 21. And now 10 months in, he's averaging over 40,000 a month in commissions, selling the exact same thing he was before. English is his second language. And guess what type of leads he sells to? English speaking leads. So when you learn the right skills, right? When you learn the right questions to ask with the right delivery, the right tonality, really doesn't matter what you sell, doesn't matter the language barrier, you can be very, very successful. So that's a that's a sob story, I guess. We got thousands of those, but that's one that, that stood out for me because I just interviewed him in about two weeks ago in our Facebook group. Nice. Is there any industry out there that goes, oh, this won't work for me because we're different? Oh, yeah, I'm sure that I would say the number one objection we get is, will it work for what I sell? I sell XYZ product and it has to be sold a certain way. And my prospects would never let me ask them questions. They just want me to tell what the price is. Well, that's the problem. That's your problem because you you're triggering that reaction from what you're saying and or not asking early in the conversation that's triggering the process. One thing we have to understand, this is just behavioral science 101. Within the first seven to 12 seconds of any sales conversation you're in, I don't care if it's door to door. I don't care if it's in a boardroom meeting with meeting with executives. I don't care if it's on Zoom like now. I don't care if it's an outbound lead, cold calling, doesn't matter. Your prospects are picking up on your verbal and nonverbal cues. Okay. It's just the way our brains work. We cannot help it as a human being. So they're picking up on social cues, your verbal, nonverbal, what you were saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways. Now, everybody's heard of fight or flight, but does anybody know how it's triggered? It's not like somebody just goes into fight or flight mode by themselves. It's a triggered reaction. Okay. It, it's, it has to do with our, what do they call it? The crocodile part of our brain. All right. If you get into human behavior, it's a bunch of scientific stuff. I won't go into that, but I'll give you the layman's terms. Okay. So when we come across in our sales conversations as overly assumptive or aggressive, if we come across needy, and you can tell when the salesperson's needy, right? And you come across attached, it triggers the human brain um, to go into, like I said, fight or flight mode where they try to get rid of you very quickly. Or they'll say things like, hey, I don't have time. Just, just tell me what you have and I'll tell you if I'm interested. Or, hey, I don't have time. Can you just tell me how much it costs just to see if I can afford it? Or, hey, I'm really busy right now. Can you just call me back in a week, a month, a year later? That's a triggered response. Can you call me next century? That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, that's not something they did. That's something you triggered by the way you came across to them. Now, once we learn human behavior, when we come across in that conversation more neutral, now what I mean by neutral is more unbiased. We're not quite sure if we can even help you because we don't know anything about the situation. If we come across that we're open to them saying no or that it's not a good fit, if we come across more detached Okay. And we understand the right questions to ask with the right tone. It triggers their brain to become curious enough. Okay. Where they actually want to engage. 
Okay, they want to open up to us because they view us as more of an expert or somebody that can get them where they're wanting to go. So when we when we really learn how to become detached from the expectations of making the sale, and instead we're really focused on whether or not they have problems we can solve, you're going to notice your prospect will react and treat you much differently than all these other salespeople who they just try to get rid of. Because as soon as the prospect feels you are just there to sell them, or you're asking some type of manipulative question, leading questions where they can only answer the way you want them to. People can tell when you're doing that. I hate to tell you guys, when you do that, all it does is it causes them to emotionally shut down and they're never going to go below the surface with your questions. You can have the greatest questions in the world, but they're just going to stay surface level with you. And at the end, they're going to say, I need to think about it. Uh, I need to keep looking around. I need to keep getting other quotes. I need to keep doing some research. That is a triggered reaction just because you don't understand human behavior yet. Now that can be fixed. You can learn how to not do that, which is the good part. <laughs> which is the whole point of being able to have a conversation with you. So talk to me about, let's back up the bus a bit because a lot of people understand that the sales conversation is, is one thing. But getting people into the sales conversation is a whole other gamut. And I see a lot of people doing face plants all over the place and it hurts. So <laughs> talk to me about how, how does somebody approach a prospect without repelling them? Well, are you talking about like outbound leads that like requested just, information? Are you talking cold calling? Or are you talking like an inbound lead who books on your calendar? There's there's different things you would do. Absolutely. So let's let's start with somebody that doesn't have any inbound leads. Somebody that's going out, maybe they're networking, maybe they're cold calling, maybe they're okay, asking existing clients for yeah. referrals, let's, whatever. Because there all would be three different ways you can start that conversation. So I don't okay. want to give one way and then it's not going to work for outbound leads. So let's just talk about cold calling. Okay. So let's say you have, you're listening here, you're a business owner, you have salespeople that are picking up the phones and just getting names and numbers off of LinkedIn or somewhere else. I don't think we have phone books anymore. I know that's what they used to do back in my days when I would cold call. You'd pick a name. You'd have little strips of paper that just last name, phone number. Last name, phone number. (laughs) So basically, okay. I, I want everybody to think about this. Every phone call you've ever got from a telemarketer or a cold caller in your mind, how did it typically start? Can I share with everybody? Because we go in and do sales audits at even Fortune 500 companies. And you know what 99% do? Hi, is John there? Hey, John. Yeah, it's Jeremy Miner with XYZ Company. Hey, listen, uh, do you have two? Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. What's this all about? Hey, uh, if you, uh, do you have two minutes? Uh, I just, if I get to take two minutes of your time, uh, I, like I said, I'm with XYZ Company. And the reason why I called you today was, Click, not interested. I'm too busy. It's the same predictable. Hi, my name is, I'm with XYZ company. And the reason why I called you is, and then the prospect goes into what? Fight or flight mode because they're used to every single salesperson going into their pitch. Or they'll be like, well, hey, what's this all about? Like, I don't have much time. Sir, if you if you just could give me two minutes of your time, I promise you that we can... It's the same thing. You literally could be calling from publishers sweepstakes, whatever it's called. And you could be saying, hey, you've won $100 million. You just need to sign here and we're going to send you a check for $100 million. And they would still try to get rid of you because they're not listening to anything you say (laughs) 
because you've triggered fight or flight mode. So we want to we want to come in sounding completely different. First of all, we want to tone down our enthusiasm. It is a myth when sales trainers say, if you sound really excited about your product, people are going to get excited. There is no data to support that. In fact, the data shows exactly the opposite. The more excited you are externally. Now, you got to be excited about what you sell, but keep that to yourself. Keep it internal, okay? Come across more neutral, more relaxed, more collective. Think about going into, and we train a lot of used car dealerships, so it's, there's no pun intended, but think about when you go into car dealerships and the salesperson's really, really excited that you're there, how do you typically re respond? You, you throw up the wall. <laughs> oh, just looking. No, we're just looking, right? You just throw up the wall, okay? Mm -hmm. So we want to calm down. We want to relax. And we want to come up with what we call a problem statement. We want to be able to identify a problem or two that any prospect we're calling can identify with, which triggers their brain to become curious enough to want to have a two-way conversation. And the problem statement it's not meant to sell them. It's just meant to get them curious enough to engage back instead of going into fight or flight mode. It's all about disarming the prospect. And I'll give you a couple of examples here, but we follow the ABDs of selling. Always be disarming, not the ABCs, not always be closing. That's just going to trigger more sales. We want to always disarm from the first part of that conversation to the middle, to the end, to the close, to whatever sales process you're in, B2C, B2B. We're always asking the right questions that continually disarm the prospect to let their guard down and to keep their guard down and tell us the truth of what's really going on. Because if we know the truth, very easy to sell. If we if they're hiding stuff, it's, it's really, really hard to sell, really hard to close, okay? So in a problem statement, we're going to start off with, yeah, it's... Uh, they're going to be like, uh, yeah, uh, this is, uh, hey, this is Wanda with XYZ Company. Let's say that you have the number of the, the business owner. Let's just say you're, you're calling a small company. We're not, enterprise is a little bit different. There's a few tweaks we would do, okay? Uh, hey, yeah, this is uh, Wanda with XYZ Company. How can I help you? Uh, hey, Wanda, it's just um, Jeremy Miners. wondering if you could possibly um, help, me, help me out for a moment. She almost act confused. Okay. I call it the confused old man, confused old woman, I guess. Right. Cause if you go into a gas station, the same elderly person goes to the gas station, they're lost. What, it, what does everybody want to do? They want to help, right? It's just our human nature. Okay. You can't be like, uh, I was wondering if you could help me out a moment first. You got to have the right tone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, um, Jeremy, I was wondering if you could possibly, um, help me out for a moment. Yeah, sure. How can I help you? What's this all about? Well, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure if you're the right person I should be calling. I called to see if your company would be open to looking at any possible hidden gaps in your blank that could be causing you to blank. Okay. Now, depending on what you sell, you fill in the blanks. I was going to see if your company would be open to any hidden gaps in your merchant processing that could be causing you to overpay every month. Now, what does that do? Hold on. What do you mean by overpay? Or who, who is this again? Or what's this all about? See, that's what I want. I want to trigger engagement. That's what the problem statement does. Okay. Does that make sense? That's how you start off a cold call. Then you go into personalized intro situation questions, but that triggers them to become curious enough. Hold on. What do you mean by hidden gaps? Okay. That just, and that's just, I gave you an example of like, if you sell merchant processing, for example. Now it's going to be different in every industry depending on what you sell. Are you with me?
I am absolutely with you and I'm loving it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having other than, of course, they're not doing any sales. <laughs> that would be a bad thing. Um, but what are some of the stumbling blocks that typically people have? And they're like, oh my God, Jeremy, we need you so badly. In what way? Are you talking about like a business owner, like marketing? A business or- owner, sales manager. When did they kind of go start to look out and go, yeah, we need to bring you in? Well, I mean, we, we do a lot of, we do 150 different reels a month on mm-hmm. IG and Facebook and we LinkedIn now and stuff. So we get calls left and right. I think, you know, especially during times of, of economic contraction, which it looks like we're going into, we probably have been going into it for a while, but usually nobody knows, like everybody kind of knows, but it doesn't come out. The truth doesn't come out for three or four months later. They're like, oh, there's a recession magically it probably happened three or four months before that but nobody wanted to say that right okay so during times of economic contraction every shortfall that your salespeople have every weakness that your salespeople have will only be magnified by 10 because companies and prospects they are calling upon do what they start to hold on to their money even more okay So every weakness, every shortcoming they have is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So even during these times, we get even more calls because companies understand that the lifeblood of their business is what? Sales. They can have the best operations. They can have the best financial part, the best P&Ls. But if they don't have sales coming in, None of that matters. None of it matters because nobody can be paid. So they understand that, hey, we need to get them better, more advanced skills because people are tied up. There's not as many laydowns. Let's just be real right there. So even during times of economic where it's booming, okay, people are always, they get to a certain level, but then they get stuck. Let's say they get to this level as a company. Well, how do they scale to this level? by their salespeople saying the same things, by the salespeople asking the same questions that's gotten them here, it's really impossible to get here, okay? So a question we always ask, even companies that are doing well, even like Google, it's like, hey, you've reached these, 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 these big milestones in, in your company, but where are you guys wanting to go from, and we do analogy, where are you guys wanting, you've reached these big milestones and goals as a company, but where are you guys wanting to go from here in terms of future improvement for your salespeople that so they sell more for you? And so that gets them to think like, oh, we've reached here, but we really want to be up here. So it gets people thinking differently. That's what NEPQ stands for, neuroemotional persuasion questioning. It gets your prospects to think through why they allow their problems to keep happening. Because here's here's one thing we, and I, I think I mentioned this too on your, on your last show, is that most of your prospects when you first start talking to them don't even realize they have a problem. Or maybe they realize they have a problem, but they don't know how bad that problem really is. And especially most of them don't understand the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything about solving the problem. So when you learn advanced questioning, especially the right delivery of those questions, because it's one thing to ask a question, but it's how you're asking it, the tonality that sets you apart, okay? That causes the prospect not to see that they just have one problem, but maybe now that they, they see that they have two or three or four other problems that they didn't realize they had. And when you're able to help them see that, not by telling them that, because that's going to go in one ear out the other, you're biased, you're the salesperson, but by your questioning allows them to tell themselves that 
they start to view you as the expert, as the trusted authority who can get them where they want to be. So it's all about, it's all about problem finding, problem solving. It's not about product pushing. So companies, I mean, you'll be surprised. We have companies that come to us that are already doing, you know, a billion dollars and we'll have other companies that are just, you know, they're going bankrupt. It's kind of all over the place. Awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want to hear more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Yeah, sure. If they ever, if they ever want to get some some resources, like even free resources from us, if they want to learn how to sell more, or whatever their products and services are, uh, best place for them to go to is just just one of our Facebook groups. Uh, uh, let's send them to uh, salesrevolution.pro. So if you've got the link there, you just go to www.salesrevolution. So salesrevolution.pro.pro. And right when they join, uh, go ahead, make sure you guys check your, your uh, messages on Facebook messengers because somebody on my team will send you a free training called the NEPQ one-on-one mini course. It's with my CEO, Matt Ryder. And Matt will break down the NEQ, NEPQ process for you. And he's going to give you different example questions you can use for what you sell right now. So you can go out and sell more. And we go live in that group about three to four times a week with different trainings, different Q and A. So they're welcome to join that. I think we get 22 or 23,000 people in that group who are just salespeople and business owners like they are. I love it. Uh, Jeremy, you have been absolutely amazing as always. Real quick, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> Uh, I just kind of fell into it. You know, I retired. So I had a 17 year sales career, did pretty well financially. And I retired, uh, what was it, 2017? Yeah, 2016, 2017. When I say I retired, I just kind of took a year off because I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I'll get into more real estate. Maybe I'll just hang out for a couple of years. I kind of semi-retired. Let's just put it that way because I'm still pretty young, you know? And then I saw, I started seeing all these ads on Facebook and IG from these sales gurus. And they would say like, oh, you got to do this and you got to, you know, you got to use your hustle muscle and you got to like throw out this rebuttal. And I'm like, man, if I sold that way in my career, I would have made 10% of what I actually made. Like that does not work. Like we are not 1985. This is, you know, 2017 at the time that I was saying this. I'm like, man, there's so many people that are buying into this and they're not getting results. I guarantee it. Cause I was in the trenches. There's no way I could have got results using that. I would have been broke. And so it really fired me up. And I just, I locked myself in my man cave for about six months at my house. And I wrote out our first training program in that six months and filmed it. And I thought I was just going to do a webinar one time to get these people. And I discounted really low. And we had like thousands of people that bought it. And I'm like, whoa. And then they started sending in all these testimonials, like three, four five weeks later. And everybody's like, man, you've got to start your own sales training company. Like, please, for the love of God. And I'm like, Maybe I should start a sales training company. And here we, here we are, you know, and it was crazy, you know, as far as an entrepreneur, because we really started in almost 2018. And for the first year and a half, you know, it was just me, my assistant and like a part-time salesperson, basically. And we did seven figures, like low seven figures in sales, but I didn't know how to run a business. Like I've never been a CEO, you know, I was just a sales professional, right. Um, in, in my career and stuff. And so in 2020, uh, one of my clients, um, I had trained his uh, company, his gyms, he, and he had actually done so well that he was able to sell his gyms for a lot of money over in Australia. And I 
well, helped him persuade himself that he should be my business partner and CEO of the company because he was so good at running business. I'm like, wow, I need this guy. And so I brought him over and then we just went like, boom, like we went to eight figures the next year. It was crazy. And then, um, you know, we won the, the award from uh, the Inc. 5000 list last year. We were ranked the number one uh, fastest growing sales training company in the United States last year. But that's because I'm not the CEO. I'm just, I'm just the chairman. I'm over all of our content, all of our training, all of our fulfillment. And that's what I do best. And as a business owner, if you're listening, hire people or bring people in that are really experts at what they do and focus on where your expertise is. If you really want to scale as a company. Now I realize in the first year, sometimes that's, you know, you got to kind of just be the jack of all trades, but if you really want to scale from six figures to seven figures or seven to eight or eight to nine, which we're working on now, you have to have the right team in place that are really skilled at certain parts of the business that you're not skilled in. And, and that sometimes that takes a while, right, Michelle, as you know, um, you got to get the right marketing people, the right chief marketing officer, the right, you know, sales people, the right um, operations people, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, we're, you know, we're doing much better on that than we were even a couple of years ago. So things can change very quickly once you bring in the right team. You can have the greatest product in the world, greatest service in the world, but if you don't have the right team, it's just not going to go anywhere it's, or it's going to take a long time. You get the right team, you can scale pretty quick. I love it. I love it. And congratulations on your awards. That's fantastic. You have been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Well, I would say, you know, last words would be, you know, if you really think about what selling is, selling is about change. So it's about how good you are at getting your prospects to view in their mind that by changing their situation, that means purchasing your product or service, that by them doing that, that is far less risky for them than them doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo, their problems stay the same and nothing ever changes. So once you learn, once you get your salespeople to get so good at, at their question skills and tonality, the prospects start to view that it's way less risky for them to purchase what you're offering and get results than them doing nothing at all. And that's when selling becomes really, really fun. You get to help a lot of people. Awesome. Thank you saying. so much, Jerry. Michelle, it's been an honor. Thank you. I'm, hey, I'm, yeah. Is anybody ever, have you ever seen that show uh, on Netflix, uh, Ozark with Jason Bateman? Yeah. That's where I have my lake house here. That's where I'm traveling at. Nice. So I, I am here. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go out a little bit later today if it stops raining and get on the jet skis, but it's been raining cats and dogs here. But. <laughs> Lots of fun. Well, I'm glad it's only a movie. <laughs> I know, right? It could be true. Some of that could be true. Not denying it. But enjoy the water skiing. That's fantastic. Thanks, I appreciate it. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business. Thank you for being here today. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app so that I can continue to help you get it up and keep it up when you need me. Because we love having you here. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.